if your system can't handle what happens in real life, you need a system that can record exactly what's happening in real life as it happens. And if you have that, you're able then to record in your, your inventory accurately and use the information from that system to make good decisions. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 291 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. A lot of our clients have inventory. So this episode is about how to manage and account for this inventory. Do you just use zero? What about Shopify? And what about a bridge between Shopify and zero? And when do you outgrow all this? These are just some of the questions Jerry Wembig of Wow Connect will discuss with you in this episode. I can't believe we finally talk. I know. I know. It's I know. been so many months. It took us over a year because the first time we were meant to meet was in Double Bay in the uh, before COVID. So it's 13 months or so. But, you know, good things come to those who wait. <laughs> Inventory management, I find it quite daunting and I can imagine a lot of people do. And if I may just very quickly go through a very basic understanding of it. And I think it's basically it's basically five steps with or thinking of inventory. And the first one is basically you don't do anything with inventory. You, you know the items you have because it's just one type or just a few. You don't track inventory. You just expense everything. And you don't recognize inventory at the end. The second step is already a little bit more sophisticated where you expense everything, meaning you don't track inventory in zero. But at the end, you do a stock take, you recognize some inventory in your balance sheet. And then the next step, I think, right after that already comes now tracking, that we somehow track what's coming in and what's coming out. And I think the first step of that is then that you just track by type. And I assume that's probably tracking by SKU. I have forgotten what SKU stands for, standard... Stock keeping unit. Ah, stock keeping unit, yeah. So you just track by types, so for example, the orange ones, the blue ones, the green ones. And then I think the next step is that you track by item, and not everybody does that, not everybody goes through all those steps. But the next category, basically the most sophisticated, is that you track by item, and that means, for example, you would track by barcode, although maybe barcode could also mean that you just track track by SKU. The SKU, the item and the barcode are essentially all the same thing. It's just different identifiers for one product. So a SKU is every item has to have a SKU. And if you have a barcoding system, then every item will have a barcode. But the the item and SKU is the is the same. It's just a SKU is just an identifier for an item. The only time an item can get any more uh, detailed, I guess, is if you have a variant. So let's just say you've got this, you know, black shirt and it's black shirt with white stripes, then the variants of that are small, medium or large. And you could, you could track that item as just small shirts, medium shirts and large shirts of this color. Or you can say it's this is this is the shirt, and then this is how many size uh, sizes I have within that variant. And so that basically means that if you track by item, meaning you say exactly 
this particular shirt you do still need so so what that's called is is the when you're doing something like that the you've you would consider it as just one item in terms of the look of it but it's the sizes has different sizes but each of those sizes have their own skew as well so usually the skews are, are linked you know that it'll be like the skew and then dash s or dash m or dash l for the different sizes but every every item of every different type needs to have askew because that's how you identify what it is so that if you were to scan the barcode or pick it up and look at the the number you know that that number identifies that particular item i see okay so let's say you just have one shirt red and it is in three different sizes small medium and large then it would mean that you have three skews yep you'd have three skews and then the red shirt as a whole is is usually there's different names for it but it's like a style skew or a, a family skew so it's, it's sort of like a it's a it's a family or style product with different variants that's the terminology we have three skews and let's say we have 10 shirts of each item so we have 10 small 10 medium and 10 large that means we would still have three skews correct or would we now have 30 skews no still three skews yeah okay good just an identifier what about if i have an item like that where i actually want to have 30 skews so for example because i'm trading in porsches or similar yep be a serial number a serial number each item would have a serial number so if we were if we were now talking about um, usually TVs or electronics or iPhones. If you're talking about iPhones, let's take iPhone as an example. You'd have 10 iPhones. Um, and you've got 10, 10 gray, 10 white and 10 black iPhones that uh, they are, they each would have, um, each of the, the types would have a skew so that you could identify whether it's gray, white or black from the skew. But then each individual phone has a serial number on it so that you can identify that exact item and so that's when you would have 30 identifiers would be 30 serial numbers so in that example we would have three SKUs and 30 serial numbers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep ah okay so SKUs is always just the type it's never down to the item if you want to go down to the item you deal with serial numbers yes yeah, then, then what I said before didn't really didn't really make sense. So that basically means the first sophistication is that you track by skew. And then if you want to drill down even deeper, you would track by serial number. Correct. Yep. That's it. Okay. That's basically any inventory system as such. However, then the big question is what you do before and after. And, and that's where the inventory system can then even get more sophisticated when you start tracking what's happening before the item hits your stock. So for example, you have a pipeline where you track orders, what is being shipped at the moment, what is there. Incoming stock. Exactly, incoming stock. And I can imagine that's where really then this, the software systems are different from each other. So, for example, in Zero, you would only have the tracking by SKU. I don't think you can even track by serial number. Whereas when you go into a more complicated system, then you can also look at your pipeline before it arrives in stock or the pipeline after it leaves the warehouse. I will add to just in terms of your levels of, of identification, there is a level in between SKU and serial number. And usually when you have when you have serial number, you, you an item is either serial tracked, which is what we said, the, the phones, or it's batch tracked. Batch track is like another level of detail with, but not going all the way to the serial number. So I'll give you an example. Let's just say we were dealing with food. Food is the most common time place we see batches. So you buy all the ingredients in, in order to make a cake. 
And when you're buying all the ingredients in to make the cake, you've got the eggs, the flour, and uh, what is it, milk? <laughs> Let's just say the eggs and the flour. Um, the flour has a batch number on the bag. So it's so when it was made at the factory, they gave it batch number one, two, three. That was the that's the batch number of the flour. You're then going to go make the cakes, and when you make the cakes, in you're going to put in you're going to put in some of the flour. All right, only only a cup or two, but you're going to put in some of the flour into that that cake, and that's going to make you know your cake. Then you're going to keep making cakes, and about two weeks later, you're going to make another cake, and you're going to run out of out of flour of the bag batch one, two, three, and then you're going to use the next next batch. You're going to board another bag in, and its bag its batch number was four, five, six. So then you're going to use the flour four, five, six inside those cakes. So what people do is when they're dealing with food manufacturing and in other industries, that batch tracking enables people to, it's not it, to identify exactly which, like the batch tracking is all about the origin of the item. We've bought it and we have it in stock and it, it was incoming and it's now in stock and it's in our warehouse, but it's not just flour. That flour is then broken down into the individual bags. So then you can track which flour goes into which product. And then the cake itself has a batch number and then it's tracked as it gets sent out to the customer. And the whole purpose of that is so that you can track if there was ever a bad batch of flour, you can actually trace all of the cakes that the bad batch of flour got put into and then contact all of those customers and say, don't eat the cake because it's got a bad batch of flour or we're sorry, it didn't work. A cake didn't work properly. We'll send you out a new one. So that batch tracking, it's not as detailed as the serial numbers, because obviously you wouldn't put a serial number on every you know grain of flour, but it's that batch level in between. It's more detailed than flour, but not as detailed as serial number. And different industries have different requirements. That's interesting. And I can imagine it's a very common in the food industry, but I can also imagine medication, pharmacy. Yes. A pharmaceutical industry would very much use batch tracking as well. Pharmaceuticals, medical equipment. So any kind of manufacturing where you're dealing with putting in small, you know, different parts into another another bigger item. And in manufacturing, depending on what you're making, let's say we had a client recently that made a trailer part connector. It had an electronic piece in it and it had other parts in it. So it was the parts were tracked from where they came from as a batch level. And then there was also like a little mini computer inside an electronic element that was also inside it, but it was tracked down to the serial number. And then, then the item was made with both items that had a serial numbers in it and batch tracked so that if there was ever any problems, they could always trace the whole point of tracking is tracing those parts back to their original supplier. So then you can contact the supplier if there's any problems. And I can imagine batch tracking is the is the most sophisticated of any inventory tracking. Yes, batch tracking and serial tracking, yes. So for those, of course, you need to have a completely different inventory management software than for just normal SKUs. Yes, yes. So a basic inventory management system will, will have SKU management. Not every system, a lot of systems these days have batch and serial tracking, but not every system does. You know, there's a lot of little inventory systems that pop up that connect to zero that, you know, sprout that they can do everything, but they're not really doing tracking to that level. But a lot of the standard inventory management systems that connect with, with zero and the like will do batch and serial tracking. But if you need it, it's certainly something that you need to make sure has it because you can't guarantee that every system has it or that it does it the way that you need it to. Yes. And Shopify and Zero being the most common simple inventory systems, they don't they, 
yeah, they can't do it. They just do skews. I'm surprised that you say that serial tracking, serial number tracking is also complicated because I don't think of it as so complicated because you, it's just one item and you track it through. I can imagine batch tracking. That is really complicated. You might have three, four, five, six levels. You know, something goes into something, that goes into something, that goes into something. It can really boggle your mind. Whereas serial tracking and skews are kind of straight. You know, every item has a number. Yeah. Well, the, the it's really the process in which the product is going through that's complicated, not the batching or the serial numbers themselves. So if you have serial numbers, you're right. You're just following it from, if you buy buy something with a serial number and sell something with a serial number, that's all, that's as complex as it is. But it's the actually the process of tracing the serial number through the process, it's the complexity of the fact that someone has to record it. So if you if it arrives, if you've got ten phones arrive in a box, if you're if you haven't bought, uh, if you're not trace, tracing the serial numbers, then you just enter into the system ten phones of, of a particular color. You don't actually have to manually write in every single serial number or scan the serial number into the system. And you're not having to scan each individual item. You just got to just got to tell the system that there's ten. So the complexity actually comes in the actual operations to trace the item rather than than the actual uh, and the time it takes to do it rather than the actual concept of it yeah serial number tracking is probably just especially a, a question of of numbers because of of course as soon as you track serial numbers you deal with data that is you know a thousand times more than if you just have SKUs. exactly exactly Okay. And then, of course, also, if you do manufacturing that ends in a serial number, then, of course, you're back to batching because then you very often want to know, for example, with the iPhone, you you want to track which, oh, God, now I show my complete ignorance of, of knowledge. Did it have the component from South Africa or did it have the component from China? And then you probably are back into batch tracking as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We, we already touched on Zero and Shopify. And I think those two are both very simple in terms of that they only do SKUs and they only do what you have in your inventory right now. So they don't do any pipeline tracking. You can't see what's on the ship. You can't see what has already been ordered. You just can see what's right there in your warehouse now, correct? Well, two, two elements. If we talk about Shopify first, Shopify will tell you what you have now and what is left there there is some apps that you can connect to shopify that will allow you to put in a purchase order so you can track what's incoming but it's not very sophisticated it's very much designed just to say what is my stock right now often people on a daily basis they're actually tracking what stock they have manually and if they don't have an inventory system and then they like in a spreadsheet and then they actually have to go into shopify and update it on a daily basis manually into Shopify to say what the what stock they have. With Zero, Zero does have the ability for you to do purchase orders and have a purchase order in there using the purchase orders module of of Zero, sorry. And then then so you are tracking what's incoming, but when it comes, if you just have to say that it arrived. It's not very good at managing split receipts. So if you receive if you've asked for 10 items, you only end up with five and there's still five to come. It doesn't do that very well. We're managing split shipments and same thing with the stock going out. So it more it, again if you buy and sell, there is still the capacity to go what's coming in, what have I bought, when has it arrived, and if I've sold it, you can put it on a quote. So what do I have to send out to someone? You can see that, but as soon as you start getting real life complexity, like 
not being able to send something out or having to split a shipment on the way in or the way out or or have multiple locations, that's when zero starts falling over with its capacity to help you. Do you find, with your work uh, consulting about inventory systems, do you find that Shopify has reduced the need for advice among smaller businesses because they can just go to Shopify? Yeah. So Shopify really is an e-commerce system and it's its sole purpose, just like a point of sale system in a retail store, its sole purpose is to put items up for sale so that you can take take payment and and sell them and get paid for them quickly. So that's where the whole system's obviously started from. And over time, they've started to add inventory functionality to it. Shopify people, almost the, the, the journey that people go on is that they have an idea and go, I want to sell, um, you know, Uh, socks. I want to sell socks of all different types of socks. So I, that's my great idea. I'm going to have a sock website. They can start a website. They can buy some socks. They can start selling the socks. And in Shopify, they can put in the numbers of how many socks they have when it arrives. Then they sell it out and they can they can ship it out. So they can, they don't have inventory management problems at that point. It's the time later on when they start getting another range of socks or they start selling on Amazon or they start storing some stocks in another some socks in another location. That's when they start having problems. So yes, everybody can start a product selling business with Shopify quite easily and they don't need any help. But as soon as you start dealing with a large range of products um, and different selling channels, straight away, you're going to start getting inventory problems. And Shopify can't solve that for you. It's still just a selling platform when you get to that point. Once businesses outgrow Shopify, is there a certain software that most of them migrate to? Not really. Uh, I would say Shopify has the capacity for big businesses to be on, to sh on Shopify because, again, it is just a selling platform. And if they need that, it's just it's there so you can sell, you know, hundreds and hundreds of items. So we've had people, and, and I know there's much bigger than this, but just even in the small and medium business market that we work in, we've had people with over 40,000 items and making 100,000 orders per month. There is no issue with that. Shopify can can handle that. So it's uh, it's not about uh, shop people outgrowing Shopify for any reason because their business is growing too big or they've got too many transactions. So no, we, we don't see people growing out of Shopify. If anything, people grow out of the accounting system and the inventory system that attaches to Shopify, not Shopify itself. Because Shopify is one of the most common e-commerce platforms that's used in, in the world now, especially in our part of the world. There is Magento and there's big commerce and, and those things. But when people start getting bigger, What they generally do is the reason why they're getting bigger is because they're going global. So you've got two choices now. Shopify has a, a subscription called Shopify Plus, where you can have multiple countries and multiple warehouses within one subscription. Or other times people just have multiple Shopify sites. They'll have a Shopify site for America and for England and for Australia. So it doesn't appear to Shopify to be a too big uh, business to handle on their platform. They just have multiple websites to handle their different countries. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. What do you find most people do who trade in, in different countries? Do most people, if they, and I have to add, if they have stock in those countries, because I think if, the stock, if all of the stock in Australia, then I think one Shopify account is just fine and you just open it up for all those countries. But I think if you have stock in different countries, then it becomes more complex 
also for tax purposes. But what have you seen? What do most people do? Do they then still serve all those countries from what one Shopify account? Or do you then see that they usually set up companies in those countries and then have separate Shopify subscriptions? So there's a mix of both, a mix of all, all three. So first of all, you can have one Shopify site that sells in multiple countries in multiple currencies. There's no issue with doing that. Usually the problem actually comes down to the cost of shipping from those countries. So for example, Australian companies trying to get into the US, they'll initially try and get into the US market just by getting their website with a .com you know, email address and they won't send any stock to the US. But as soon as a US person realizes that they're going to have to pay shipping to go from Australia to the US, they cancel the order and they don't want to do it anymore. So, so it starts out, people will have a Shopify website with multiple currencies, but then depending on the shipping costs for each of those things, then they will need to go to a, um, usually get a 3PL if they're just trying to test the waters in that country. A 3PL is a, is a third party warehouse where they will send their stock to. So they'll send their stock to a US warehouse. Let's say it's just, just a sample of all of their best selling products. Then they'll have a US website Which, which pushes into that uh, 3PL warehouse. So then that US warehouse is, is fulfilling for US customers. They can fulfill faster. They can fulfill cheaper um, for that US website. So generally people start with one website with multiple currencies. Then once they know where they're losing sales on because people are interested in their product, but they haven't yet uh, set up a presence there, they'll then set up a small presence in that country um, and then set up a, a website there. Then if the, the business goes to a significant extent that they actually um, uh, are making good money there, that's when they'll usually set up a separate tax entity. So it's not always the first step to set up a separate tax entity there because of the complexities that it, that it raises, but they'll set up a separate tax entity once they know that that market is well worth their time to manage the compliance in that country. Hmm. You mentioned 3PL services. Do they go down to really small numbers or do you usually need to have a certain level of sales to be able to find a 3PL service provider? That's a good point. To be honest, I don't know if there is any minimums. I think different 3PL providers would have would have different requirements and there's different 3PLs that have different niches. Um, so, you know, for, for example, some might specialize in refrigerated products and some might specialize in fashion and, and others will just do a bit of everything. Uh, but no, I, I think when it comes down to the minimums of how many you would send to a 3PL, it's more about the cost of what it takes for that 3PL to, to manage your stock. So there certainly would be warehouses out there that would be happily take on just a handful of your products And as long as they have, you know, a decent amount of volume and you will allow that stock to, um, you know, take up one pallet space in their warehouse and they'll charge you just for one pallet space. It'll be a lot cheaper for you to do that than to get your own warehouse. So it's not so it's there's to be different 3PLs that definitely wouldn't take on too much. You'd be a too small client, but I don't I couldn't give you an example of what that is. But it's a great way to sort of get into the market and use a small amount of space at a low cost to test the waters before you ever actually um, invest in your own warehouse. If you do start with a 3PL service in another country, would you then recommend it's time to add additional inventory software to, to Shopify? Or can you manage 3PL services through the one Shopify account? That's a really good question. So if you, if you have everything managed by 3PLs, you often don't need an inventory management software to manage your inventory. 
because the three PLs are managing your inventory. So I'll give you an example. Um, if, you've, if you're selling on Shopify in Australia and on Shopify in the US, um, then, and, and even on Amazon in the US and in Australia, like they both sales channels, but you're using 3PLs and you're using Amazon to fulfill everything, you don't actually have a warehouse, then you don't really need an inventory management system to manage your inventory because both the those the 3PL is going to tell you what stock you have when at any point in time. So the when you have a 3PL, the inventory management, the reason for inventory management system is not to manage your inventory. When you have a three that kind of setup, people still need inventory management systems to manage the reporting so that they can have all of the information in one place so they can then work out what's the best sellers, what's selling most, what do I need to buy next? Because it's the, the inventory management system still captures all the information from all the different sources so that they can make the decisions that they need to make. Because if you don't have an inventory management system that can capture all of that information, what you end up doing is, in my example, is you have to go into Amazon US and look at your reports from there and see what's selling. And then you have to go into Shopify Australia and then you have to go into Shopify US and then you have to go into Amazon US and you don't actually know what's selling best. So when it comes to whether you have a 3PL or your own warehouse, it's very much different. Different clients have different needs. But in that example, if everything was 3PL, Yes, you could just use Shopify and Amazon, um, but it means you're going to have to go to multiple places to get your reports. So you can do it, but you've got to go to multiple places to get your reports, including going into the 3PL to get your information. So it's not about inventory management then, it's just about reporting so that you can work out what you need to buy next. That's why people do it. You just mentioned fulfillment through Amazon. Inventory itself is just the storage of inventory where the product physically is. But then, of course, somebody needs to go in there and say, okay, we have an order from the US, we need to pack it and we need to send this. And that is called fulfillment, correct? And if you have your stock with the 3PL, it also means that the fulfillment is done through the 3PL, correct? Yes. It has to go together. The storage and the fulfillment has to be together. And you made a very good point before, and that is Shopify is mainly a sales platform and the accounting and the inventory software is just kind of added on. And so just because you have outgrown the uh, Shopify inventory system doesn't mean you have outgrown Shopify as a sales platform. It just means that you might need another app plugged into Shopify to help you with the inventory management, correct? Yes, 100%. Talking about 3PL again, I've also heard about 4PL What's 4PL versus 3PL? To be honest, it still isn't very, very common. Um, and it's not something that we come across very often. My only experiences with 4PLs and my, you know, the best way to understand it was that they were, that they're considered that there's two different ways of it. The 4PL can be, can be considered the, the process where a provider is actually managing the entire process for you. So you're actually using almost like a middleman to manage all of your logistics and all of your purchasing and everything. So you don't have to do it. That's one explanation you can find for 4PLs. The other one that I've actually, that I've seen is that imagine in the US, you've got Amazon and Amazon has a number of major, major warehouses. So they have their major warehouse. And then there is 3PLs, like we're talking about, big 3PLs that have their own warehouses. But let's just, the example I was given was that you have um, fridges, for example, and that that if, if you have a massive warehouse full of lots of little knickknacks and you're selling all sorts of types of clients, if you suddenly have fridges that you have to store and um, and 
into in the warehouse, they're going to get in the way. They're going to get in the way if you've got if you've got two thousand fridges that you're supposed to. Um, uh, fulfill and store for people, they get in the way of the major services of the, the business, which is you know, not selling out fridges. So then around the actual three PLs, there's the, all these different four PL warehouses have popped up that are very niche products where you've got the fridges and you've got the furniture and you've got those other major big items that are basically surrounded that those three PLs can then call on those when they sell or their clients sell those products, they can call on those bigger items. So they're just some different ex explanations I've seen for 4PLs over the years, but I've literally in my all my conversations, I never get asked about it. I would just, I asked myself one day, someone what their explanation was, and that's what it was. And But you don't see it on a daily basis. So coming back to 3PLs, so it basically means the 3PLs provider would have access to your Shopify account and would pick up the order directly from Shopify or Amazon or eBay or would you would you track the orders and then tell the 3PLs provider that they need to ship this out and that's where they need to ship it? It can be a mix of, of, of three different versions. Those two things you just mentioned. So sometimes when people are first starting out and they don't have a huge amount of volume, And if also they're not just selling on Shopify, but they're selling wholesale. So they're placing an order in their, in their own system, either zero or in an inventory system. Then the first, the first sort of uh, communication method is to place a sales order for your customer in your system and then send a copy of it to the 3PL. Some 3PLs will still accept like a PDF copy of the invoice or the picking list to send off, to put in the box and send off the items to the to the customer. Of course, though, in that example, the 3PL then has to tell you as a business owner what they've sent out so that you can update the system to say that it's that it's been sent out. So you've still got to you know, manage that process manually. The second sort of automation, which people do a lot is when they don't have an inventory system is exactly what you said. They sell on Shopify or they sell on, on Amazon, and then they will, they will get that Shopify and Amazon will, will, connect directly to the 3PL system. And then the 3PL system will download those orders, fulfill them, and then update the orders in their system. And their system will automatically update Shopify or Amazon or whatever selling platform it is. So that's the second option. The third option is when you actually have multiple sales channels. So you, you might sell on Shopify and sell on Amazon and sell on eBay and, and sell wholesale and, and have some, some sales reps out on the road entering in orders. And you have all of these different orders coming in because we're not just talking about Shopify anymore or Amazon, then obviously a 3PL company is not going to connect to every single software out there or be, or be wanting to receive multiples of PDF documents all from all these different places to know what's going on. So what we do then is we, we funnel all those sales into an inventory system. So you have your inventory system sort of as the central database, and then you connect to that Shopify and Amazon and big commerce and, and your wholesale orders and your sales reps are entering things in, even a point of sale system, everything gets entered into, uh, funneled into that inventory system. And then you connect the inventory system to the 3PL. And then 3PL receives all of those orders in the same format from the same system. And then they do what they've got to do, fulfill, they update their system, their system updates our system or the inventory system. And then the inventory system then goes through and updates each of those different sales channels. So the inventory system becomes the hub of that information and helps everybody know what's going on at a stock level, as well as at an individual order level throughout that entire process. 
And I can imagine each 3PL service provider has a, has a different preference for an inventory software. I can imagine to streamline their processes, they will insist that you that they only accept clients who use a certain software. Yes. Well, uh, what actually happens is they every 3PL has different type of software. It's very rare to come come across. There's so many warehouse management systems out there that 3PLs use that almost, you know, I wouldn't say every, but there's so many that it's very rare that we get the same same customers with the same 3PL and the same software. So usually what will happen is the 3PL company, they will have their own in-house IT department and they will actually connect their system up to whatever inventory system the client has. Uh, it costs money to do that, obviously, to automate the whole process, but that's um, usually just an, uh, an upfront cost that needs to be, when the client joins up with that 3PL and sends their stock in, they will then connect up their inventory system to it. So it's important for a client to make sure that they're happy with their own inventory system before they spend money on connecting up. They've got to be happy with their own inventory system and happy with their 3PL to be able to spend the money and invest in that connection because it's only useful for them um, in that process. But that's usually what people do. Looking at e-commerce, and this is a very basic question now, we have sales platforms. So Shopify is a sales platform, Amazon, eBay. They're the three large sales e-commerce sales platforms, correct? You also mentioned big commerce, which I haven't heard Yeah, big commerce is is um is is like a Shopify. It's just a it's an e-commerce platform. There is a Magento is another you know pretty well known one. Big commerce and Magento used to be a lot bigger than Shopify originally, but then Shopify took over them a lot in the last sort of I would say six years. Shopify is just very simple and easy to use. Um, the other common one is is uh, WooCommerce, which is which the basic website platform, you can purchase the WooCommerce app and people still use that for in smaller businesses. Then there is things like Nito is another Australian company is a Nito is an e-commerce platform that does a few other things as well. So there's many different options out there, but they're the major ones that we see on a daily basis. Okay. So these are the sales platforms and then all of them offer a payment function, but you can also pay through a payment app that just does payments and nothing else. And that is, for example, Stripe, PayPal, and Afterpay, etc. Of course, Afterpay is very different to Stripe and PayPal. But um, but I think that's where it very often gets very confusing because, for example, you can have sales coming through Shopify, but then they are paid via PayPal and then it starts getting getting very confusing. So yes, you're exactly right. And there's more and more payment types being added all the time. ZipPay, Klarna, Layby, and different countries have different different types as well. The way that we help people with that type of scenario is the confusing part is is obviously the the way in which you receive the money. It's it's not confusing for the customer and it's usually not very difficult to set up, especially in Shopify. You set up the products, you set up your settings, you add the payment types in, you have an account and they're all very usually easy to set up because they just take a portion of your earnings. They don't, there's no major setup fees and no major monthly fees even. It's usually as soon as you make money, they take a percentage of any sales 
sale that you that you make through that payment platform. So the complexity really comes with the bookkeeping on the other end of, of managing the payments. So you might sell something for $100 and then the you actually receive $96 into the bank account. So it's the reconciliation of that process, which, which becomes a bit messy when you've got multiple payment types. So we, we use an app called A2X out of New Zealand that is designed exactly for that purpose. They, they, all they do is with Amazon and Shopify and, and even you know, some other places, I'm not sure if they have eBay, but they have Walmart and Etsy and, and those types of marketplaces. They will, their whole purpose is to help you reconcile your payments, your payouts that you get from these different marketplaces and these different payment types into your accounting system. In my example, they would push through an invoice into zero that says you sold $100 worth of items today and tomorrow you're going to receive $96 because Shopify took out $4 as a Shopify fee, for example. And then it automates that whole process so that you can just uh, reconcile that $96 that you receive the next day easily. So it's a bit more complicated on different different payment types, but that's the purpose that a, an app like A2X is designed to solve. Yes. And it's not just the, the fees of all these platforms that make it harder to match everything. It's also, for example, if you, if you have a Shopify account and then you say, okay, I will put everything, all the sales that are coming through Shopify, I will put into this account. But then something actually comes through Shopify that is pay, labeled as PayPal And then it's Shopify and PayPal and it just gets gets very confusing. The A2X will break that all out for you. A2X breaks out all the different payment types so you know which which account, uh, any payment type gets gets coded to a different clearing account so that when the money comes in the next day, you, you can apply that money to the different clearing accounts. So we always set up a PayPal clearing account and a Stripe clearing account, et cetera, so that any of those expected payments get posted to the clearing account. And when the money clears and is banked, you then post it to that same account and all you're left over with is the, is the fees that they've, they've taken out. And this A2X, can, is that easy to set up or does that, does that need your services to set up? No, it is it is reasonably easy to set up. Sometimes people um, like our help just to in order to make sure that they that they're doing it correctly. More so when it comes to the way that they do the reporting and the taxes. So they just like people that aren't accountants usually ask for our help to check that everything's okay and to make sure that it's reporting correctly. But other than that, it's it's pretty simple to set up. They've got a great support team that that can help set it up um, mm. as you go through. So it, the, it's A2X is the name of the app. A2X Accounting You were involved in this? Did you develop it? No, um, not at all. A2X was started by a New Zealand gentleman and a developer. They actually had a business called ExportX. And the whole purpose of ExportX was to take New Zealand uh, products and put them into the US market selling on Amazon in the US market. And Amazon is well known for taking lots of fees for lots of reasons and doing clawbacks and keeping some, some money with every different every payout. They keep a little bit of money in case someone does a, a refund or a return because you're allowed to do returns very easily with Amazon. So there's always you know almost a page of fees and, and things that they've deducted before they actually give you your money and they pay you every fortnight. So ExportX was created by um, this company 
company that that had these these skills that then created A2X for that for their own purpose to be able to know exactly what fees were were being deducted by Amazon and why for all the different reasons for the fees as well as the timing because often you'd get paid fortnightly and you would you make let's say you got paid on the third of of March then you would have sales from February and sales of March and if you don't use an app like A2X you have to manually try and put in your accounting system, break up that amount you received and manually record what you got in February and March so that you can see your monthly sales. But A2X um, does that for you. They splits it out by by into the different months and, and all the different payment um, types and currencies. It manages all of that. So yeah, I definitely didn't, um, didn't come up with that one, but it was straight from a need that ExportX and their team had. AV versus SHIP. Does that influence your inventory management, whether you receive or whether you send out by ship or whether you receive or send out by air? Yeah. So when it comes to air freight or shipping freight, it really comes down to costings and timings. So if we just talk about incoming stock for a second, if you're, if you're purchasing stock and you are buying a container load of stock, you're generally not going to want to put that on a plane because it costs too much. And by the time that you bought that item and then air freighted it to yourself, although that might be quick, you're going to um, inflate the cost of that product and the landed cost of, of that product, which is your product cost plus the, the freight costs added together will probably be too high and, and you won't make any money on that product by the time you, you sell it. So if you've got a large amount of products that you can, and you're, you're organized enough to ensure that you can send it via sea freight, then you would, um, you would do exactly that to keep your costs down and then therefore improve the margin when you're going to sell it. So it comes down to the costs and the timing. Sea freight is cheaper, but takes a lot longer. Air freight is faster, but much more expensive. So generally people only air freight if they have a high value item that they already have a high margin on. They already know that they make enough money. If they, are, if they do pay for the air freight, they make good money on it and they need to get it to that customer quickly in order to keep the customer happy. Or it might even be the customer, it's such a high value product that the customer themselves are happy to pay for the freight so that and that's added to the order so therefore the business owner doesn't have to worry about the margin and how much they're making or not um, based on the freight so it's all to do with with essentially cash flow and timing sorry can i just quickly sh uh, jump back to shopify where do most sellers have the single source of truth is it in shopify or in zero Depends on what truth we're looking at. <laughs> so if you're talking about stock levels, it would be inside in the inventory management system, not inside any of the others. So, the inventory so that management would mean zero system, in our example? Yes, as long as it's a very simple inventory system, they, they would, as long as there's very simple inventory needs, then then zero could handle it. If zero can't handle the level of inventory that that business requires, you would have that inventory system being, being the source of truth. Uh, when it comes to reporting and, and accounting uh, for how your business is going, the source of truth is, is essentially inside zero. Shopify is just going to tell you what you've sold and how much money you've made on what product products, but it doesn't know the costs of selling, i.e. the fees that the payment people charges. They don't know the, the cost of the goods. They don't know, um, it doesn't know the cost of the rest of your business. Okay. So the single source of truth 
is rarely in Shopify itself. It's in the inventory system for inventory, whatever that is, be it zero or a different software. And then also, of course, your financial reporting, etc. The single source of truth also is in zero. So you really never have your single source of truth in Shopify. I think the, the the main thing that you have to have in Shopify that is most important to be what we call the master of data inside Shopify is your product data and the customer facing data. For example, I can call product data literally just the name of a product and its SKU and the price that I sell it for. And Shopify could just have that information. But of course, Shopify has got images and descriptions and all of the different elements that you would see on a normal shopping cart page. It's got all that information so that they can you can give the customer all the information that they need. So now that information doesn't need to be inside zero. It doesn't need to be inside the inventory management system because it's just the customer facing element of selling that product. So it's all, it depends on the, what data we're talking about, but that's the purpose of Shopify. Everything you need to be able to get the information to the customer so they can pay for it in whatever payment uh, options you can provide them. Oh, that's a very good point, actually. So it means not one system is your entire single source of truth. Shopify would be your single source of truth or your master data for customer facing data. So all the customer information like addresses, it's in sales history, etc. And it would be your master data for product data, photos, sizes, etc. And then stock levels you have within the inventory system and then everything else uh, probably within zero. So it really depends on which data you're looking at when you try to ascertain where your master data or single source of truth is. Correct. Yep, that's it. Okay, good. And do you always need a bridge between Zero and Shopify? In terms of, in, so people wouldn't generally won't connect Zero and Shopify directly unless they're using an app like A2X that will that it, that the purpose of of connecting Shopify and Zero is to get the sales information from Shopify into Zero as well as reconcile the payments and make that bit easy. So so that essentially is the the bridge between between the two is okay. I want to get my sales information into my accounting system as quickly as possible, and I I would have that. Now if you don't need that or you're happy your sales are so small that you don't you're happy to do that process manually, then you don't need to have a connection between Shopify and Xero at all. If you are not managing inventory in Shopify, you definitely don't need the information inside. You don't need a connection. Sorry, if you're not managing the inventory in Xero, you don't need a connection at all because Shopify is enough inventory for you. You simply just know you've got 10, an order comes in, you fulfill it, now you've got nine um, because Shopify is is able to record that you've sold that item and fulfilled that item. So you've got that level of detail there. So very rarely do people actually connect Shopify and Xero unless it's to do the, the, the first thing, which was is to reconcile the payments. And that's just simply because of Xero's limitations as an inventory system. It, it, it can't do that. It can't do a lot of the inventory management that people need. And secondly, if you have a quite a 
high volume Shopify store where you're selling lots of orders, you don't want to push too many orders from Shopify into Zero because Zero itself has transaction limits of how many uh, transactions that it can handle um, receiving into the into the Zero system on a regular basis. Otherwise, it starts affecting the the performance of Zero itself. What data does Shopify feed into Zero when you don't use a bridge? So when you just integrate the two, but you don't use an, a third party bridge. I think some information comes through, but not a lot. Yeah, so you always have to use an app to connect the two. They don't connect what we call natively. So you can't just connect Shopify to Zero without any without any kind of provider. You either have to use one SaaS or an app inside Shopify called the Bold app um, and different, different apps to different things. Yeah. Yes. I thought you could integrate it a little bit. You are saying you can't integrate it at all. No. Without a bridge, you don't get any data from Shopify into Zero. All you get are the payments from Shopify that you can then, of course, reconcile to your sales. Just through your bank feed, yes. Yes. Okay, good. So that means you need a bridge. And so this A2X that you mentioned before, and I, I assume that A stands for Amazon, And X probably stands for zero. It used to, yes. It yes. used to be. Yeah. Now they connect to more things, but it used to be Amazon to zero. Yes, exactly. Yes. So this A to X is basically a bridge. Yes. I see. But, and, but, but for your sales and payment information only, it's nothing to do with inventory. Okay. So, for example, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit familiar with the zero bridge by Parix. That would also cover inventory, correct? Yes, though if it's bringing through all the, I haven't used that one particularly myself, so I'm not gonna not going to refer to that one because obviously people that are coming to us need inventory management systems, which is why the inventory management system becomes the bridge instead of this app that you're that you're talking about. But if the with any connection, as long as the order from Shopify is going to put the detail of the order into zero, even at a product level, then it, you can use that for zero to be able to manage your inventory items however if the if the business has any kind of complexities with the inventory management for example if they sell products as bundles or sort of gift packs or kits if they do any kind of manufacturing if they have multiple purchase prices for a product or multiple sell prices for a product then zero can't handle any of those those things the other thing that zero doesn't do well is the actual fulfillment process for example When you're when you get an, a sales order into zero, you can record it as a invoice or maybe even as a quote and then as an invoice, or you can save it as a draft stage, etc. But it doesn't actually uh, handle, doesn't record if it's at picked, packed, or ship stage. An inventory system will say this is a sales order, not a quote, It'll, or an inventory system will have a quote and then it, in, if relevant, and then a sales order, and then it'll pick it, then it'll pack it, then it'll ship it, and then it will be invoiced later. And those things often happen in those exact stages or in a slightly different order. And an inventory system will tell you exactly where an item is up to. Zero, you've got a quote or an invoice. There's no steps in between. So that's where people lose visibility into where orders are actually up to. Again, you can do it inside Shopify and you can use zero as well, 
But then as soon as your business starts getting pretty, getting busy, getting multiple people, multiple locations, lots of products, then, and lots of orders, then those two systems, you outgrow them. Not that you have to get off Shopify or that you get need to get off zero. You don't outgrow them in that way, but you need a, a tool in between that will help you manage all of those different steps. And then Shopify just reverts back to being a sales platform and zero reverts back to being an accounting platform and suitable inventory system in the middle is the one that's going to solve those problems once you get more complex operations in your business. What is the most common inventory system used for e-commerce businesses who no longer can use Shopify and Zero for the inventory management? There are many, many different ones out there. Um, and when it comes to different industries have different uh, strengths. If we're just talking about e-commerce, we use three different uh, inventory systems. And again, it depends on the, the actual complexities of the business. Because often these days, people aren't just e-commerce businesses. There'll be an e-commerce business that has um, a retail store or an e-commerce business that also then has, has a wholesale. Um, or they might even be doing contract manufacturing where they, where they buy the raw materials and then send them off to a contract manufacturer. A contract manufacturer will make them. So they don't make them in their own warehouse. Someone else will make them for them. But then they have to capture that process because they bought the raw materials and supplied them with it. So they need to manage that whole process and so they know where they need to buy more raw materials. So it very much depends on what's happening in the background and the rest of the business as to which system that, that can be used. So we use um, locate inventory. These are all um, zero add-ons and, and all available in, in Australia and in, in the US, New Zealand, UK. But we use locate inventory, we use deer inventory, and we use Sin7 as well. They're the three, three major platforms that are in the zero ecosystem that we use that, uh, and again, it depends on the different clients and the different needs as to which one would be most suitable, but they're by far the, the most common. It's, I suppose it's not so much a, a closing word, but more of a statement. It's mm -hmm. don't take shortcuts. My golden rule with inventory management is that if your system can't handle what happens in real life, you need a system that can record exactly what's happening in real life as it happens. And if you have that, you're able then to record in your, your inventory accurately and use the information from that system to make good decisions. If your system can't do what you need, then it's going to force you to take shortcuts, which means that you're not going to be able to get the information that you need when you need it to be able to make the right decisions for your business. Welcome back. I had a steep learning curve in this interview and I hope you did too. So it all depends on what your business does for a living, how you run your business, where you store your stock, who does your fulfillment and so on. There's no size fits all, especially when it comes to inventory management software. In the next episode, episode 292, Jeff Steen of Brownwright Steen Lawyers in Sydney will talk about vendor finance arrangements. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you on the next episode.